Bismillah, Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala Rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa mawalah, amma ba'd. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. How's everybody doing? Alhamdulillah, fantastic. So today, inshallah ta'ala, we are covering hadith number 42, which is the final hadith in Arba'in al-Nawwi, on the authority of Anas bin Malik, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who narrates that the Prophet says that Allah says, and this therefore makes it a hadith Qudsi. Allah Ta'ala says, Allah, Ya Ibn Adam, innaka ma da'awtani wa rajawtani ghafartu laka ala ma kana fika wa la ubali. Ya Ibn Adam, law balagat dhunubuka anana samai thumma istaghfartani ghafartu laka wa la ubali. Ya Ibn Adam, innaka law ataytani bi qurab al-ardi khataya thumma laqeetani la tushriku bi shay'an la ataytuka that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O son of Adam, subhanAllah, O son of Adam, indeed, as long as you call upon me and hope in me, I'll forgive you regardless of what you've done and I don't mind. O son of Adam, were your sins to reach the height of the, of the sky, then you sought forgiveness from me, I would forgive you and I would not mind. O son of Adam, if you came to me with sins as great as the earth, and then you met me, not associating anything with me, I would come to you with forgiveness as great as it. This hadith is the final hadith. Now what's interesting is that usually an Arba'in obviously has 40 hadith, right? But it seems that Imam al-Nawi put 42. Uh, the sec- uh, and Wallahu ta'ala a'lam, it seems that the 40 really are trying to summarize Islam. And then 41 and 42 kind of are, you could say, a concluding remarks. 41 being the hadith about whatever I've left you with the Qur'an and Sunnah, you have to be pleased with it. So kind of like saying, try your best to stick to this, like, like try to worship Allah through Qur'an and Sunnah. And then after that, what? You know you're going to fall short, so oh Allah, I, t- I ask you for your help. I know I'm going to fall short, so whatever I fall short in, I ask you to forgive me. So yes, the hadith, if we break it down piece by piece, the beginning portion is what? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O oh, son of Adam. Now the fact that Allah ta'ala is calling us by this name is actually quite interesting because it's connecting us back to our father, Adam alayhi salam, who technically was the first one to make a mistake and to sin, right? And so this whole hadith is about what? Forgiveness and sinning. So the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is connecting us back to Adam alayhi salam, and Adam alayhi salam was the first one to make a mistake. And what's interesting about this is that theoretically you could say Adam's sin caused the cascading effect of all sins after that. So this hadith is talking about if you were to sin a whole world full of sins. Well, theoretically you could say, well, Adam because of everything that happened because of his initial sin, that entire cascading effect, what he, you could say that he inherited a, a world of sin. That's theoretically possible. I think the counter argument to that, of course, would be that uh, he also set the example of repentance. Therefore, he inherits the residuals of that as well. So in other words, every single person who repented, they're copying their father Adam salam. So he gets the maghfirah multiplied, multiplied as well. So we don't uh, look at him in an unfavorable way. Of course, he gets the greatest of sadaqatul jariyah because of that, and Allah knows best. So you see the connection with Adam salam. Then Allah says what? Inna So long as you call upon me. Now, of course, dua is displaying one's need for Allah. This is talking about the importance of dua, that you always are calling upon Allah, recognizing that you have no power or no, no might yourself. Hence the expression, لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله. Allah says what? وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ, uh, وربكم أُدْعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ That call upon me, I will respond to you. And the Prophet says what? الدُّعَاءُ هُوَ الْعِبَادَةِ That dua, supplication, really is the essence, is the concept 
behind ibadah is the concept of calling out in need to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we know the importance of dua, and we should also know the conditions of dua. What are the conditions? Number one, attentiveness. You should be paying attention. You shouldn't just be reciting things you don't know what they mean. Number two, that you should be re resolute and decisive in your request. As the Prophet says, what? لا يقولن أحدكم اللهم اغفر لي إن شئت اللهم ارحمني إن شئت ليعزم المسألة فإنه لا مكره له That one of you should not say in his dua, Oh Allah, forgive me if you please. Oh Allah, have mercy on me if you please. Rather, you should be firm in your asking because nobody can force Allah. In other words, when somebody's drowning, they don't say, oh, I'm drowning, excuse me, if you have the time, can you please help me? That would be really nice. If you don't, that's okay. You don't say that. If you're drowning, what do you say? Help, help, you scream in desperation, right? Now, the idea is you don't say if you please because that puts you in charge, right? If you're the king, okay, go get me that if you want to, but if not, don't worry about it. What do you mean if I want to? When you're speaking to Allah, of course if I want to, I do whatever I want. You can't tell me if I, you're not in charge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to tell Allah if you want. As opposed to what? <laughs> you know, it's disrespectful to say to Allah, if you want, as if you're giving permission. You're not giving permi permission to Allah. So you have to call in desperation and say, Ya Allah, help me. Ya Allah, forgive me. Ya Allah, have mercy on me. You say this in desperation, recognizing that you are in such need of Allah's mercy. You don't say it as if you're in charge and you're giving permission. If you feel like it, go ahead. But if not, don't worry about it. You're not in a position to talk like that to Allah Ta'ala anyhow. So attentiveness, be resolute in your dua, showing your desperation. Thirdly, you should always be balancing hope and fear. As Allah, as Allah says, what? وَلَا تُفْسِدُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ بَعْدَ إِصْلَاحِهَا وَدْعُوهُ خَوْفًا وَطَمْعًا That uh, do not cause corruption upon the earth after its reformation and invoke him, how? With fear and aspiration. خَوْفًا طَمْعًا Hope and fear. You should have the balance between both. You should never become hasty. This is another condition. Don't become hasty with your dua. As the Prophet says, what? يُسْتَجَابُ لِأَحَدِكُمْ مَا لَمْ يَعْجَلْ يَقُولْ دَعَوْتُ فَلَمْ يُسْتَجَبْلِي That you should not say, I, uh, none of you should pray to Allah. Uh, the invocation of any of you is granted if he does not show impatience by saying, I invoked, I prayed to Allah, but my request was not granted. Never say that. Don't say, oh, I, I prayed, but it didn't happen. You don't know when it was best for you. You don't know if Allah averted some other harm for you. You don't know if Allah has more ajr for you in the akhirah. You don't know if this is the best thing that he didn't answer your dua because that would have made your life worse. So you should never be impatient and say, oh, I made dua and it didn't happen. Be patient, always keep making dua, and know that Allah Ta'ala is the most merciful and the most generous. And fifthly, you should ensure that your the, the one who is supplicating, he should ensure that his means of sustenance are permissible. I'm not going to go over this again, because this is what we covered in hadith number 10 in the collection of Imam An-Nawwi's uh, Arba'in. Then, وَرَجَوْتَنِي That you should have hope in me. Allah Ta'ala says what? وَلَا تَيْأَسُوا مِنْ رَوْحِ اللَّهِ إِنَّهُ لَا يَيْأَسُوا مِنْ رَوْحِ اللَّهِ إِلَّا لَقَوْمُ الْكَافِرُونَ That only the disbelievers, you should never ha have despair in Allah, because only the disbelieving people would ever have despair in Allah's mercy. That it's not permissible for a believer to ever say, I am beyond forgiveness. It's never the case. It's impossible for you to say, Allah is ghafur rahim, Allah is so merciful, but I have exceeded His capacity. A'udhu billah, we don't speak like that. Uh, and that is not true. In fact, the Prophet says that Allah says in another hadith Qudsi, that I am to my slave as he thinks of me. Yes. So who is the one that can hope in Allah's mercy? All of us, but at the same time, you have more right to hope in Allah the more you do what? As Allah says, That indeed those who have believed, those who have emigrated and fought for the sake of Allah, this being uh, hijrah is getting away 
from abandoning evil. And the mujahada, the jihad, is what's striving for that which is good. The more you abandon evil, the more you strive for good, the more you have right to have hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So may Allah ta'ala constantly make us on that path of abandoning more evil and moving towards more juhud and more, uh, uh, you know, um, exerting ourselves, working hard for Allah's sake. Yes. Furthermore, the Prophet says, look at this beautiful hadith. It's, it's quite remarkable. That if the believer knew the punishment of hell, none of them would expect paradise. Imagine if the disbeliever just saw Allah's punishment, he would be so disheartened and you think, oh my goodness, any sin that I do is bringing me closer to that. There's no way I'm going to escape this thing. It's so scary, he would be so, become so disheartened. At the, on the flip side, if the disbeliever were to know what it, what, what's with Allah Ta'ala in terms of his mercy, if, if the disbeliever knew how great Allah's mercy was, he would not despair in regard to paradise. So imagine this, that if the believer would, uh, would, uh, um, if the believer would fear the fire so much, then how much more should the disbeliever fear it? And if the disbeliever would feel so secure, then how much more should the believer feel secure? So subhanAllah, this hadith really makes you wonder about just, it should put us in a situation where we understand just how serious these aspects are. Furthermore, the Prophet says what in Bukhari? Al-Jannatu aqrabu ila ahadikum min shiraki na'alihi That paradise is nearer to you than your leather strap on your shoe, like right touching you. And so is hellfire. That both of these things, you should feel that they're right close next to you. So you should have that hope and fear both very close into your heart. Now, there are two opinions with regards to how to balance hope and fear. Imam al-Nawi's opinion is that a healthy person, if you're not on your deathbed, if you're nice and healthy and you're living a good life, then you should be 50-50, hope and fear. The moment you are near death, maybe on your deathbed, very sick, elderly, etc., then you should have more hope than fear because the Prophet says, what? لا يموتن أحدكم إلا وهو يحسن بالله الظن That none of you should be near death, but only that you are hoping good from Allah. That uh, when you're close to death, you should be thinking more in terms of positivity. This is Imam al-Nawi's position. But I personally think Imam uh, Ibn Uthaymeen's opinion is even nicer. Even though, of course, you can't disagree with the hadith. When you're near death, guarantee you're supposed to be thinking about more husnudhan, always thinking more and more about Allah's mercy. But Ibn Uthaymeen's opinion with regards to the first part I find is more convincing. He says, a person should be their own physician. In other words, when it comes to balancing of hope and fear, you should calibrate yourself based on what you know yourself to be in, in terms of your personal state at the moment. So everybody's different. In other words, if you know you're engaged in so much sin, then you should be saying to yourself, I need to increase in terms of my fear. Clearly there's a lack. And if you are doing lots of good deeds and you're still in this panic mode, you should say to yourself, hey, take it easy. Alhamdulillah, I'm coming to the masjid, I pray my salawat. Yes, I make mistakes, but I also make tawbah. So I should maybe be a little bit easy on myself and have more hope in Allah's mercy. So in other words, you need to calibrate yourself and be your own physician. I think this makes a lot of sense, especially because I've, I've seen, uh, uh, I can remember one particular case where a brother, he was so striving so much to study his deen and he was a talib al-ilm and he was, mashallah, making so much effort and yet he would still, you know, call and, oh, I think I'm going to go to hell. Why? Something happened? No, I just, I, I don't know, Allah, Allah's punishment is so severe. And he would just have this, every week he'd have to call Somebody and just talk and say, I don't know what's going to happen. And it's, brother, brother, are you trying? Are you trying to be a good person? Are you praying a salawat? Are you asking Allah for forgiveness? Allah's ghafur rahim. Like if you haven't done anything bad, and I don't know, maybe he had OCD, some sort of a issue, but subhanAllah, 
you know, if you're doing good, try to have hope in Allah. If you're doing evil, then remind yourself of fear and you should be your own physician and Allah knows best. The hadith continues. This part, I forgive you regardless of what you've done and I don't mind. The wording I don't mind is so inviting. It's so inviting. I don't even mind. It's not that, okay, I'll forgive you again and again and again, but you know, it's getting annoying. You know, I mean, come on, how many times? You know, I, I mean, think about somebody who's so rich, even somebody who's so rich and has the wealth. You know, my brother, my little brother keeps coming back to me and saying, I want more. I give him, but he keeps coming and I say, I want more. Okay, and I give him and I got him in a, how many times? What, you're so rich, it doesn't even affect you. Yeah, I know, but it's annoying, right? Even the very wealthy person might at a certain point be like, how many times are you gonna ask, you know? But Allah Ta'ala doesn't just say, I'll keep on giving, I'll keep on giving. Allah Ta'ala specifies and says, I don't even mind. It's, I, I, it's so inviting, keep coming to me. And so SubhanAllah, this is something we really need to think about that it's not that you should feel shy or feel embarrassed or feel like you've exceeded the capacity. No, ast no astaghfirullah. Always know that Allah's mercy is so inviting. It's so inviting. One of the most often cited verses. Say, O my servants who have transgressed against themselves, do not despair of the mercy of Allah. Never despair in Allah's mercy. That whoever does wrong or even wrongs himself, but then he seeks Allah's forgiveness, he will find Allah forgiving and merciful. SubhanAllah. If Allah wanted, He could have taken everybody to account immediately. But subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so merciful that He gives us time and gives us an ability to ask for His forgiveness. And even the Prophet would seek forgiveness as the Prophet says what? Wallahi inni la astaghfirullah wa atubu ilayhi fil yawmi akthar min sab'ina marratan. By Allah, I ask for forgiveness from Allah and turn to Him in repentance more than 70 times a day. Next time you're have a moment alone, you can just relax for a second, instead of quickly checking your phone and always, you know, having this obsession with checking updates and so forth, put the phone aside for a second, just try to say astaghfirullah, 70 times, 100 times, it only takes a few minutes, ask Allah for forgiveness, it's not like it takes all day, a few minutes of saying astaghfirullah, 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 you can easily get to 100 within just a very few minutes, inshallah. The next portion of the hadith, Yemna Adam, لَوْ بَلَغَتْ ذُنُوبُكَ عَنَانَ السَّمَائِ uh, o son of Adam, if your sins were to reach the, reach the skies, reach the heights of the skies. Now obviously, this is metaphorical speech. The idea is like, imagine one brick, and it covers, you know, you, you place one brick next to each other, and you cover the whole expanse of the earth. And then you make a second layer, and a third layer, and a fourth layer, and now you fill up the whole earth with sins. Could anybody do such a thing? The answer is no, that's not possible. But subhanAllah, even if you were to do this, but you were to come to me, Asking for my forgiveness, I would forgive you and I wouldn't even bother me, I wouldn't even mind. The only objective is what? Don't be wrong and strong. Remember this quote, don't be wrong and strong. What does this mean? That you become uh, uh, arrogant about it, be prideful about it. That and those who, when they commit an immorality or wrong themselves, they remember Allah and seek His forgiveness, uh, forgiveness for their sins. And who can forgive other than Allah? And they do not; they're not persistent. Israr. They don't have this arrogance. That they have this persistence. Like, no, no, no. I'm right to do it. Let me keep going in this sort of prideful way. They're not, you know, stubborn about it. They're not stubborn about it. Over what they've done, and they know fully well what they're doing is wrong. Then the hadith says, Ya Adam, 
إنك لو أتيتني بقراب الأرض خطايا ثم لقيتني لا تشرك this is important ولا تشرك بشيئا لأتيتك بقرابها مغفرة so this whole hadith is revolving around mercy and, mercy and forgiveness but now we hear one especially important condition what is it? O son of Adam if you come to me with sins nearly as or as great as the earth then meet me not associating any partners with me the important part is what? no shirk as long as you have tawheed in your heart the oneness of God you believe that Allah is one then I will come to you forgiveness with forgiveness as great as that, even if it covers the whole earth. So what is the condition for seeking forgiveness? Tawheed. It must be for Allah's sake and Allah's sake only. That indeed Allah does not forgive shirk, associating partners with Him, but He forgives whatever is less than that for, for whoever He wills. So subhanAllah, shirk is the one deal breaker. Why? Because the mushrik's deeds, the one who does shirk, the one who does polytheism and associates with Allah, their deeds become like dust, as Allah says, وَقَدِمْنَا إِلَى مَا عَمِلُوا مِنْ عَمَلٍ فَجَعَلْنَاهُ هَبَاءً مَنْثُورًا And we will regard what they have done of deeds and make them like dust dispersed. This is what nullifies all of your good deeds. Shirk with Allah Ta'ala. Imagine showing up on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, I've done all these good deeds. Yeah, but who did you do it for? For that idol. Go get your, go get your paradise from that idol. Subhanallah Al-Azim. Go get your paradise, go get your rewards from that tree, that star, that whatever you, that makhluq, whatever that creation is. What's the answer? He can't give paradise. Exactly. The only one that can give reward or punishment is Allah Ta'ala. So you turn to Allah Ta'ala and Allah only. So this person shows up with all these good deeds, but they were for the wrong person. Like showing up to an exam, you write all the right answers, you just never wrote your name at the top. What does the teacher do with that exam? Ah, oh, poor guy, going in the garbage. See, there's certain conditions that make the whole thing necessary. Right? And that condition of Tawheed is kind of like you have to put your name on the exam, as an example. Or another example they used to give that I thought was quite clever. A guy wakes up early in the morning, goes to work to clean a whole building. Like a janitor, right? Goes, cleans every floor, does a lot of work early in the morning. Then as the day passes by, he comes outside, he sees the owner of the building. Hey, I'd like my paycheck. I've been working all day. The place is super shiny and clean. The guy says, ooh, wrong building. <laughs> right next door. That's my building. Where's my paycheck? I don't know. That's an abandoned building. Go get it from whoever owns it. But it's abandoned. Nobody owns it. Well, you shouldn't have cleaned it. <laughs> you know? You should have cleaned my building. You went to the wrong place. So it's the same idea. Imagine how frustrated, but at the end of the day, who's he frustrated at? Himself, because he didn't check the address. Before you started working, what should you have done? Make sure you're in the right place. That's your fault. You should have paid attention. So yes. Condition number one is what? Tawheed. Number two is that the sinner must feel remorse. You can't be proud of your sin and uh, combine that with remorse, the, the two don't go together. Remorse has to be there, you can't be proud of it. Number three, is that you have to actually stop doing it. You can't be making tawbah, oh Allah forgive me for drinking while you're drinking. It doesn't make any sense, you have to actually stop the action. If someone's uh, uh, rights were violated, you have to either repay them, if let's say you stole, give it back, or if you broke something, pay the amount, or if you can't give back like a physical item, then you have to ask for their forgiveness. And the hadith, we covered this before, the word is what? فَلْيَتَحَلَّلْهُ Which means you should beg him. SubhanAllah, the hadith in Bukhari, it mentions what? If you did some sort of wrong to somebody, go back and beg them. So it should, you should have a position of humility. Please forgive me. Not just say, hey, I, 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 you know, I apologize and that should be enough. Like sort of like, you're in the, you're in the, you're in the position of authority. Like, hey, I, I said I'm sorry, so that should be enough for you. No. Can you forgive me? And then wait for an answer. SubhanAllah. It goes to show the humility of the believer. And then furthermore, the, another condition for uh, tawbah and repentance is what? That the sinner must intend not to do it again. Not that you never return to it because you can make a mistake, but that at least in that moment that you're making tawbah, you have the firm intention and the resolution, I'm not going back to that. 
If you make a mistake in the future, then make Tawbah again. But in that moment, you have the intent not to uh, do it again. And of course, you have to do it before it's too late. When is it too late? Two times. One, when you're on your deathbed. As Allah says, وَلَيْسَتِ الْتَوْبَةُ لِلَّذِينَ يَعْمَلُونَ السَّيِّئَاتِ حَتَّى إِذَا حَضَرَ أَحَدَهُمُ الْمَوْتِ قَالَ إِنِّي تُبْتُ الْآنِ That but repentance is not accepted of the one who continues to do evil up until when he's on his deathbed and he says, now I repent. Too late. This is like Fir'aun when he was drowning by Allah's punishment and he's like, okay, I recognize the Lord of Musa and Bani Israel, I recognize, you know, الآن, now? No, no, too late. So you can't do it right at the last second. You have to do it while you still, you know, have life in you. And the second condition is before the sun rises from the west. We know that near Judgment Day, the Earth's rotation will stop going so that the Earth, uh, so that the sun rises in the east and settles in the west. It'll switch so the sun rises from the west, and that's a sign of Judgment Day. And everybody will say, "That's the sign." And now let's repent. And Allah says, "Oh, the Prophet tells us what? At that point, it's too late. If the sun sun rises from the west, uh, that means all of reality is coming undone, and uh, Judgment Day is right there." Yes. The Prophet look at the mercy of Allah. The Prophet says what? يَخْرُجُ مِنَ النَّارِ مَنْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهِ اللَّهِ وَفِي قَلْبِهِ وَزْنُ شَعِيرٍ مِنْ خَيْرٍ وَيَخْرُجُ مِنَ النَّارِ مَنْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهِ اللَّهِ وَفِي قَلْبِهِ وَزْنُ بُرَّةٍ مِنْ خَيْرٍ وَيَخْرُجُ مِنَ النَّارِ مَنْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهِ اللَّهِ وَفِي قَلْبِهِ وَزْنُ ذَرَّةٍ مِنْ خَيْرٍ Whoever says لا إله إلا الله and they only have the weight of a barley grain in their heart of good they will be taken out of the fire and then even less than that the weight of what a wheat grain. And then even less than that, an Adam's weight. So this hadith is showing that some people will be punished. But because they had even just a little bit of good, that each person one by one is being removed from the fire because they recognized who Allah Ta'ala was. So may Allah Ta'ala always keep us upon this path of Tawheed and we should always be turning back to Him. And I want to make uh, just a few final points. Oh yeah, a few final points. The one thing that I want everybody to come away with Never forget this one point. If you don't walk away with anything else, remember this one simple point, inshallah. When you, as a sinner, have confessed your sins to your Lord and asked Him for forgiveness, after that, feel tranquility in your heart. Feel tranquility in your heart. Your soul should come to rest. Why? Because your, your, worries, should, your, your worries and your concerns should leave you and you should be hopeful that Allah Ta'ala has indeed forgiven you. This is something that a lot of people struggle with. They did something wrong and they make tawbah and they say, no, Allah didn't forgive me. They make tawbah again, they make tawbah again. Good, keep making tawbah. But also allow the hope to enter into your heart that look, I'm not doing the evil deed. I really have the intention to get better. I'm really working on myself. So you know what? I have hope in Allah Ta'ala's mercy. Allow your heart to accept hope in Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Don't only think about the ayat of punishment. There's so many, Allah Ta'ala balances. Allah Ta'ala when He mentions ayat of punishment, He's, He comes quickly with ayat of uh, uh, mercy, and this is the way the Qur'an is, subhanAllah. So, if you are making that effort, if you are turning back to Him, don't be the type of person that says, no, 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 it's never gonna happen for me, and no, no. Instead, say, look, I made tawbah, I asked Allah to forgive me, I stopped the evil, I really have the intention. I know I'm a weak person, but I'm really trying. So say, Ya Allah, You are so merciful that I am gonna be content and happy that my Lord is a merciful Lord. So if you don't walk away with anything else, remember that. Now in terms of some technical points, when it comes to dua, Ibn Abbas, he says, what? المسألة أن ترفع يديك حذو منكبيك أو نحوهما والاستغفار أن تشير بأصبع واحدة والابتهال أن تمد يديك جميعا So there's three different ways that Ibn Abbas describes asking Allah Ta'ala for forgiveness. The standard way which we all know, raising your hands to around your shoulders. 
Are the hands touching? Are the hands not touching? Allah Ta'ala A'lam, they're around here. Try not to do the thing where you're so low. I see some people, they have it so low, they can't even make the effort. Like, just hands are down here. Come on, man. Okay, shoulder, right? Like a beggar, like you're begging, like you're asking for something, right? So you put your hands out. This is the standard methodology when you make dua, number one. Number two is usually on the mimbar. You'll notice that the khatib, when he's, giving, when he's making the closing duas, he's putting his finger up. This is the sunnah of the Prophet that he puts his finger up and he makes his duas like this. Some uh, khutaba, some khatibs, they make the mistake of putting their hands up. That's not correct. I mean, inshallah, it doesn't invalidate, inshallah, but still, it's not correct. The correct thing when you're making dua at, during the khutbah is to put your finger up. And the third one is in sort of extreme circumstances, the Prophet would raise his hands high, was raise his hands high and beg of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a very, you could, like you can see, there's a position of desperation, you're begging. So these are the three. I knew a brother who would only do this one, mashallah. You know, you see everybody else making dua during tarawih and this one guy every time, mashallah. But you know, okay, that's, you know, inshallah khair. So uh, yes, and the final thing that I wanted to say is just a beautiful dua, a beautiful poem. And I try always to make the poems rhyme both, I mean, they already rhyme in Arabic, but I try to make them rhyme in English as well. So this, ta this takes some time. <laughs> but anyway, uh, alhamdulillah, hopefully uh, it's of benefit. So this is a poem by Abu Nuwas, specifically about forgiveness. He says, Ya Rabbi, in azumat dhunubi kathratan, falaqad alimtu bi anna afwaka a'zamu. In kana la yarjuka illa muhsinun, fabiman yaluzu wa yastajiru al-mujrimu. So translates as, Lord, even if my sins are numerous and plenty, I know you're greater in forgiveness and mercy. If none but the excellent can hope in you, who then can the sinner put his hope into? I humbly pray, Lord, as you command, can others forgive if you reject my hand? I have no means except my hope in you. With your mercy and my Islam, perhaps it'll do. SubhanAllah. I think it's a very, so it's a very, very beautiful poem. Uh, and I was very touched by it uh, uh, in the Arabic. And I thought, you know, this deserves to be translated nicely, you know. And so it took some time, but alhamdulillah, uh, inshallah, hopefully. Actually, inshallah ta'ala, I have a... Um, me and Brother Ziyad, we have a plan to do a whole series of poems that are translated in, into English, rhyming, and inshallah ta'ala, hopefully that's something we will do. So with that, we ask Allah ta'ala to forgive us for our shortcomings. We ask Allah ta'ala to accept it from us, uh, our uh, objective to come closer to the Prophet and to his sunnah and to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his deen by studying his beautiful ahadith, these 42 ahadith. May Allah accept from us. Ameen ya rabbal alameen. Zaymar khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.